I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike. Check one, two. With Lee Lonsberry. From Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Live Mike's the name of the show. Episode 32. Big day today here on the program. Right now, the Senate uh, has recessed. Uh, the each team is taking a break. Senators taking a break. Uh, and this morning we started out the program. I told you that your two senators, our two senators, uh, Mike Lee and Mitt Romney, were two of the first to have questions asked uh, by Chief Justice John Roberts to the uh, either the House managers or the defense team working on behalf of the president. I told you I promised I'd get back to the answers. The uh, So I want to do that right now, but really just to move through it pretty quickly because I'm going to talk to you uh, about a smoking story coming up. I just want to take this opportunity to make good on my promise of earlier that I was going to share with you uh, both the questions and the answers to the questions uh, asked uh, by uh, Senators Mitt Romney and Mike Lee on the floor of the U.S. Senate this morning as this Q&A period of the impeachment proceedings kicked off just this morning. So we're going to go through that in a second. And then we're going to talk about uh, smoking. There's an organization, the American Lung Association, each year hands out grades to the various states uh, regarding their uh, efforts to you know, limit or at least restrict or cut down on tobacco use among uh, the, the residents of each of the respective states. There's an article up on kslnewsradio.com right now by Cami uh, Mondu says uh, Utah received three Fs. I I don't know about that. We're going to go through those details here in a second. But first, here this morning uh, was a question asked by Senators Collins, Murkowski, and Mitt Romney on the floor of the United States Senate. We'll get to the answer afterwards. This is a question for the counsel for the president. If President Trump had more than one motive for his alleged conduct, such as the pursuit of personal political advantage, rooting out corruption, and the promotion of national interests... How should the Senate consider more than one motive in its assessment of Article 1? Tough question. Uh, Let me just play for you uh, the first chunk of the answer where I think it's addressed. And this is uh, answered by the defense team for the president. Mr. Chief Justice, Senators, um, in response to that question, um, there are really two layers to my answer. Because I'd like to point out first that even if there was only one motive. The uh, theory of abuse of power that the House managers have presented, that subjective motive alone can become the basis for an impeachable offense, we believe is constitutionally defective. It is not a permissible way to frame 
a claim of an impeachable offense under the Constitution. So, but I'll put that to one side and address the question of mixed motive. If there were a motive that was a public interest but also some personal interest, we think it follows even more clearly that that cannot possibly be the basis for an impeachable offense. All right, so there's the response to that question. The very first question asked by the senators in this morning's question and answer, or rather this afternoon now, uh, this afternoon's proceedings, which are continuing on the floor of the Senate right now. Patrick Philbin, deputy counsel to the president, is ask, answering uh, a question right now. They've uh, just a, a moment ago gaveled back into session. They took a break there. This will go on for another few hours. They'll take a break. Everyone will go home, get some dinner, get some sleep, and be back at it tomorrow for another eight hours of questions by the senators and answers by either the House managers or the defense team for the president. And then on Friday, and I'm sorry I'm taking so much time on this. I'm just fascinated by it. On Friday, we'll be back at it. And the, the the next phase will commence, and that is when it'll really get exciting. The debate will commence over motions to introduce witnesses. Whether or not we will hear from folks like John Bolton or Hunter Biden uh, or any of the long list uh, of characters that make up uh, this saga right now. So we'll find out uh, after the questions, after the question and answers uh, conclude that likely happening tomorrow and then on Friday uh, we'll really see how this thing goes it could be over Friday it could be that could be it uh, McConnell could do things in such a way if he's able to garner the support to pass the uh, the, the right motion this could be all done by uh, Friday and you and I could be back here next Monday starting fresh with the impeachment trial of the president in our rearview mirror I wouldn't mind that uh, and so we'll see how it plays out uh, let me just quickly before we get on to this smoking story play for you uh, the the question asked by Senators Blackburn Mike Lee Loeffler and McSally. Mr. Chief Justice. Senator from Tennessee. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. I send a question to the desk on my behalf and also joined by Senators Loeffler, Lee, Kramer, and McSally. The senators ask of counsel for the president, is the standard for impeachment in the House a lower threshold to meet than the standard for conviction in the Senate? And have the House managers met their evidentiary burden to support a vote of removal? Here's the answer by the president's defense team. After that, we'll talk about smoking. Mr. Chief Justice, senators, the standard in the House, of course, the House is not making a final determination in the structure of the Constitution. An impeachment is simply an accusation. And as in most systems where there is simply an accusation being made, uh, the House does not have to adhere to the same standard that is used in the Senate. In most instances, um, House members have suggested in debates on articles of whether or not to approve articles of impeachment that they should be have clear and convincing evidence in the view of the members voting on it that there was some impeachable offense, and that is all. Uh, some not even that standard. And so it is simply... Um, enough evidence that there an accusation can be made. It is definitely a lower standard than the standard that has to be met here on a trial for an ultimate verdict. So that's the answer to the question posed 
by Senator Lee and others. Uh, that was the third question asked. It was Romney who asked the first one, and some other folks had something to ask, and then uh, Senator Lee. So the first two Republican uh, questions were asked by Utah senators. That's not bad. That's a good little bit of trivia that's going to carry on uh, through time in the history books. Now, uh, I have about, uh, shoot, two minutes uh, left to tell you this little story, and it comes from the American Lung Association. They each year put out grades. They assess the control policies across the country uh, from state to state. And this year, as they've released their findings, uh, they're claiming that Utah is deserving of three Fs. Out of the various categories they score, uh, let me quickly run through them. This is tobacco prevention and cessation funding. Uh, Utah got an F. A smoke-free air, though, Utah got an A. They look at things like uh, an overview of state smoking restrictions, uh, like in government workplaces. Here in Utah, that's prohibited. Private workplaces, indoors, that's prohibited. Schools, of course, prohibited. Child care facilities, that's prohibited. Bars, uh, Utah kind of stands apart from other states. Uh, prohibited uh, casino and gam- gaming establishments, that doesn't apply to Utah. Uh, let's see where else. Uh, are e-cigarettes uh, included in all the prohibited areas here in the state of Utah? The answer is yes. And for all of those reasons, at least according to the American Lung Association, Utah deserves an A. Now, moving on to the next category, tobacco taxes. There is a tax here in the state of Utah. A tax rate per pack of 20 cigarettes here in Utah is $1.70. Because of that, the American Lung Association says that Utah is deserving of an F. Other states charge a good deal more. Uh, let's see. Tobacco uh, uh, age uh, for sale here in the state of Utah is 19. That uh, earns Utah an F. Uh, the tobacco or this American Lung Association would like to see at 21 nationwide. Senator Mitt Romney is working on an effort to bring that about. We'll see if that comes through. Uh, now, why do I share all that with you? Because I think it's bunk. I think it's absolute nonsense. Here's the reason why. Uh, I had producer Amy do a little bit of research for me, and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, I think, you know, these categories are all well and good, but let's look at results. Uh, and, and I said, hey, producer Amy, would you hop on the Google and see, uh, would you find the percentage of individuals here in the state of Utah that engage in tobacco activities? Uh, how, how many smokers we have here in Utah? The answer, 9.2% of Utahns uh, here in the state uh, are smokers. It sounds like a lot. Let's compare it to the rest of the country. The average is 16.1. So we're almost half the national average. I further asked producer Amy to say, hey, how do we stack up against other states? If you were to rank us uh, compared to other states, in my prediction, uh, came pretty well true. Utah has the least adults who smoke uh, every day. Uh, in Texas, it's 15.7. California, uh, you know, where they're all really smart and healthy 11.3 we out we outperform them nevada 17.6 in new york state another place where they're all smart and healthy 14.1 here in utah we're 9.2 percent so i'll tell you what american lung association you're giving us f's when we're leading the country in uh, smoking rates you might want to reassess those categories next up we're going to talk to paul nelson about vaping that's here on live mike i'm lee lonsberry and this is ksl news radio It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.